Hey, 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 City Hope. Go ahead and remain standing, if you would, for just a minute. Go ahead and remain standing. Man, I, I am so honored to be here, and I want to give a shout-out to Mobile and Baymonette. And how many of you Foley people are in here tonight that are excited about your new campus? Come on, somebody. I love it, and I'm so honored to be with you guys tonight. Uh, I've got something I believe the Lord's put on my heart for this night, and I want to share it with you, but let's take a moment and ask. We've already worshiped in the presence of God, but let's ask him to breathe on us. How I many of you know if he'll breathe on the word, give me the ability to speak it and give you the ability to hear it and understand it, it'll be a good night. Amen? So would you just lift up your hands kind of in a receptive mode? There, Baymanette, come on, Mobile, get your hands up. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we just ask for your presence. We ask for you to breathe on this word. Make it alive to us. And Father, we give you the glory, the praise, and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Now slap somebody a high five before you sit down there. Praise God. Well, I want to tell you, your reputation has preceded you. And as I've arrived and got here physically on location, your reputation that preceded you has paled in comparison to what I've experienced today with your pastors and with our experience in worship tonight. I'm going to tell you something. God is up to something at City Hope Church. I just want you to know that. Amen? And so today... Today we had opportunity to spend uh, a lot of time with Pastor Jerry and Pastor Trey and just talking about what God has done and a little bit of what your future looks like. And I'm going to tell you something, you have a very bright future ahead of you. And uh, maybe just to kind of let that sink in a little bit, as we were worshiping tonight, the Lord kind of gave me two, I don't know if you'd call them visions or just kind of pictures in my mind, in my heart, and I want to share them with you. How many of you like to get out on the beach and kind of just get around a nice little campfire? Isn't that nice? Get around, uh, enjoy the warmth of it, but man, when you get some good logs on there and you know that thing stops pop, starts popping, you know what I'm talking about, right? And you start seeing those sparks just kind of come out and float in the air. The Lord just kind of showed me that's where you've been. You've kind of had a little campfire built, and it's gotten pretty hot, and some sparks have just kind of drifted over to Mobile and over to Bo Bay Monette and over to Foley. But then he reminded me of a time when I was a sophomore in high school. Now, they don't do this, I don't think, nowadays. But back then, out in Hereford, Texas, where I'm from, out West Texas, uh, when it come home time, homecoming time, we would build a bonfire. Anybody ever do that? three of you praise the Lord well let me tell you what a bonfire is we would go out and we would go on the ranches and farms there around Hereford Texas and we'd gather up old barns that have been torn down or an old outhouse kind of sitting out there you know that's dilapidated and we'd load those up in our trucks and we'd come we'd have this big old uh, mountain of wood and then come come uh, homecoming night we'd light that thing on fire and I'm gonna tell you something 
A campfire pales in comparison to a bonfire. Amen? And what the Lord showed me is, you guys are building a mountain of wood, and you're about to light a bonfire that's going to send sparks not only throughout this region, throughout this nation, but to nations of the world. You just need to get ready for it. Amen? Praise God. Now, when you're gathering wood, see, everybody, what we did is we had a little competition. You know, the sophomore class against the junior class against the senior class as to who could get the most wood out to the bonfire. And uh, you guys are gathering wood. You just took a legacy offer, and that's part of gathering wood. You've got to have resources to do this thing, right? Uh, but also, in this house, I believe God wants to gather some people, now I'm talking to the core, I know I'm preaching to the choir, they're in Mobile, they're in Baymonette here at this campus. I know I'm preaching to the core, but you need to start gathering some wood. Some people who you can recruit into the competition. Competition being against the kingdom of darkness, amen? We want to bring the kingdom of light the kingdom of God, into every region, to every part of the cultures around us. And we're going to need more people to get that done. So I'm going to encourage you, be a recruiter of people. And if you're a leader, be a trainer of people. And let's build our army so that when God speaks and that fire gets lit, come on somebody, that we're going to be able to handle the fire. Now, God always has a wildfire, right? But there's a part of the wildfire that God gives us to manage, and I just want to encourage you, let's, let's go out and get the wood, amen? Look at your neighbor and say, let's go out and get the wood. I want to take a moment, because you don't know me, like most of you in this room and there at each campus, I was born at an early age. But like you, because of our forefather that we're going to talk about here in a little bit, uh, I was born in sin. I was born outside of a relationship with God. And matter of fact, and matter of fact the, the home that God put me in was a broken home. And uh, because I was raised in a broken home, how many of you know I had a broken dad and I had a broken mom? Now bless their hearts. Some of the things I'm going to share with you about my experience with my mom and dad, it comes out of their past when they were outside of Christ. And when you're outside of Christ, how many of you know sinners are going to do things that sinners do? Right? And so my parents divorced when I was six years old. In, in my journey to adulthood, my mom went in and out of five marriages. I lived with my grandmother in Herford, Texas for about seven years. My dad, on the other hand, was a truck driver. He lived in Athens, Texas. He drove for a TV company called Curtis Mathis. And, um, you know, he was hurt and wounded, even though he was the one that ran off and deserted my mom. It was always, almost like all the time he had this thing of trying to get back at her. When, they, when I was about 12 years old, we were living in Little Rock, Arkansas, 
and they thought they would get back together. That lasted for a couple of months, and I don't know all the details. I just know that at one point my mom said, I can't do this, and she left. But before she left, the night before she left, we were living in a little trailer house, a little shotgun trailer house, had a bedroom on one end, a bedroom on the other end, and then the living and kitchen in between. Late in the night, I hear my mom crying. I run through the trailer house, sat outside of my parents' bedroom door, and my dad is beating my mom because he's upset because she's leaving. Out of that experience, I got mad at my mom because she was leaving. I went to live with my dad for a little while. And uh, I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot of difference between West Texas and East Texas. East Texas, you got hicks. I'm just saying. How many of you know what a hick is? Just somebody that can't add up one plus one. And so I decided I'm going to go back and live with my mom. Well, I knew that my dad had bought me a 410 shotgun for my birthday. And we were living with the family at that time. And uh, when I left, I never got my 410 shotgun. Clay Tompkins, family that we were living with, a young boy my age, he got my 410 shotgun. I say, why are you sharing this with me? Because it has the foundation of what I want to share with you from the Word tonight. How many of you know we all have a story? At, 50, at, at 17, my dad put paid in full in my last child support check, like he'd paid me off like one of his cows. Life happens. Circumstances happen. And I want to go tonight to the Word of God in Genesis chapter 3. And this is a story that is really the foundation of every generation. And I want to pick up the story in verse 6, but before we get there, you remember the story. This is the story of Adam and Eve. And they have been commanded not to eat out of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But they do. They eat. The Bible says the woman ate and then she gave to her husband with her. And after they had eaten, this is where we pick up the story, or verse 6. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her. She took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her. And he ate it too. At that moment, the eyes were open, their eyes were open, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. And when the cool of the evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. And so they hid themselves from God among the trees. And then the Lord called, to the man, where are you? And he replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked, the Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? Then the man replied, 
It was the woman that you gave me. She gave me the fruit and I ate it. Then the Lord God asked the woman, What have you done? The serpent deceived me, she replied, and that's why I ate. Then the Lord God said to the serpent, he speaks to the serpent, speaks to the man, speaks to the woman. Here's Adam and Eve. They're living in the garden that God's created for them. They don't have a care in the world. They've got the presence of God that comes every day in the cool of the day. And yet when the serpent comes, they believe a lie. And when they believe that lie, they eat the fruit. And, and God had told them, in the day that you eat that fruit, the day that you eat thereof, you're going to die. How I many of you know they didn't fall over dead the moment they ate, right? But what they did is they died spiritually. And for the first time, they were separated in their hearts from a relationship with the living God that they had enjoyed every day up until that point. And when they began to hear God's kind of rustling in the garden, because they saw themselves in the state that they were in, the Bible says that they went and hid themselves. Why? Because they were afraid. They were afraid because for the very first time, they had experienced brokenness in their lives. Brokenness comes to us in many, many different ways, doesn't it? Sometimes it comes because we are deceived and we fall into the depravity of our own hearts and we walk in sin. But sometimes brokenness comes, like in my story, without even our own involvement in it. I didn't make the decision that my parents made. They made it. Am I right? But I had to walk in the consequences of decisions that my parents made, and there was brokenness in my life. Now, thank God, August 15th, 1972, in a little town called Desark, Arkansas. How many of you know where Desark is? Let me see your hand. Nope. You do? Well, you must have been looking out the right side while you were traveling east, because if you were looking out the left side, you missed it. Am I right? You know I'm right. August 15, 1972, God came to Desark, Arkansas, and he found Bobby Bogard, and he gave him newness of life. Amen? I was born again, born from above, and I've never been the same since. But even as a Christian... I've had times that brokenness has come to my life. Sometimes because I stepped into it, and sometimes because it just came my way, because of betrayal, brokenness of relationships. You know, it comes sometimes through divorce. Sometimes it comes through uh, people, jealousy and envy. Sometimes it comes out of the lust of our own heart. What am I saying tonight? I'm just saying that brokenness is a part of our journey, isn't it? Jesus said, in the world, you're going to have, if I can put this word in there, brokenness. 
You're going to have tribulation. You're going to have seasons and times and moments where things just don't turn out the way that you expect them to. And what I want to talk to you tonight is about God's response to broken humanity. And the best place that I think that we can discover God's response is to go back to the original norm, amen? Go back to the original response that God had with Adam and Eve, and I believe if we'll dig into this story that God's going to encourage some of us tonight. How many of you need some encouragement? Let me see your hands. I got both hands up. And so in this story, their brokenness comes to them, and God asks the question, where are you? Where are you? I believe God's asking some of us tonight, where are you? Where are you over there in Mobile? Where are you over there in Bay Monette? Where are you in this room? God's speaking and he's asking you a question. To, and he's asking it not to bring condemnation, but he's asking it so that we can take the first step toward freedom in our lives. Again, I know I'm preaching to the choir because you guys have an awesome freedom ministry in this house. Am I right? Come on, give it up for freedom ministry. But I got a sneaking suspicion that maybe some of us, 2016, didn't necessarily end the way that we wanted it to. Maybe 2017 hasn't started with the excitement and the energy and the vision and the dreams that you thought were going to come your way. You've had a setback. Well, I'm just here to tell you that sometimes when we have a setback and we step back, God just gives us a comeback. Amen? And I believe there's a comeback waiting for some of us in this place today. And so he asked him a question, where are you? Because here's the first thing. If we never acknowledge our brokenness, we will never step toward freedom. See, they were hiding in their brokenness. And, and, and that's, that's just a normal response, isn't it? Come on, somebody. I mean, when you, when you get jacked up, the last thing that you want to do is go into the light. Come on. We all want to go and we want to hide. Because there's a prevailing concept from the tr knowledge of the tree of good and evil that just hounds us like a hound dog. And that's that God is a ogre. He is a bad dude. I mean, you mess up, he's going to smash you. Adam and Eve thought, man, we have jacked ourselves up. We have messed up. God is going to be upset. And we identify with him, don't we? And what do we do? We run and hide. And, and notice what they did. They sewed fig leaves together. We try to manage our brokenness, don't we? Come on, how, how, many, how many of you have managed your brokenness at times? Come on, give me a hand. You know it. I started thinking about fig leaves one day. Pastor Jerry, I started thinking, you know, how long were those fig leaves going to last anyway? Right? I mean, they're green when they go on. 
They look like they got potential. But how many of you know the longer we try to walk in works, the drier those leaves become. And one day, all of a sudden, we think we got it all together, and we look down, and our nakedness is showing again. You cannot manage your sin. You cannot manage your brokenness. You can't get a new wife and solve your problem. Uh-oh, where'd that come from? We have to acknowledge our brokenness. Where are you? Because it's the acknowledgement of our brokenness. Wow, this is good. I just thought of this. Our Holy Spirit gave it to me. We've got to give him credit. But just think about it this way. If we never acknowledge our brokenness, we'll never expose the lie. See, if, if Adam and Eve had never become aware of where they were in that garden, they never would have understood the lie that they had stepped into. Because, see, we're stunned by our brokenness, but God is never stunned by our brokenness. God doesn't run away from our brokenness. Rather, he runs to us. He pursues us in our brokenness. That is the grace of God. That is the love of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, amen, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Amen. That's the motivation. That's the heart of God. He pursues us because he wants to bring us into freedom, into life, into his grace. The longer we try to manage our brokenness, the longer we'll stay under the lie. And the longer we stay under the lie, the longer we walk in rejection, the longer we walk in shame, the, want, the longer that we walk in presumption and pride. And God knows that we need freedom. If we never come to that place of acknowledging our brokenness, then we begin to have the testimony that Paul wrote about in Romans chapter 7, verse 14. I'm reading this out of the Message Bible. It says, I've tried everything. You ever feel that way? You've tried everything. You're at your wit's end. You've tried everything. He says, I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? In our brokenness, we just kind of get dizzy. It's like you remember when you spun around as a kid. You just spun around, spun around, and then all of a sudden, you find yourself dizzy. You're, you're not oriented to where you're at. 
sin, listen to me, sin looks good in the beginning, but the price that you pay is more than you want to really pay. You think, I'm just going to be here for a little while, but can I tell you that sin and brokenness will keep you longer than you really want to be in that place. It'll cost you more than you want to pay. It'll keep you longer than you want to stay. And in the end, it will destroy our lives. But I love Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Boy, you ought to be ready to shout on this one. Are you ready? Come on, City Church, City Hope. For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of your fig leaves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Thank you, Jesus, for the grace of God. Thank you, Jesus. For the love of God thank you Jesus for coming into my brokenness coming into my darkness and giving me your grace and your mercy thank you Jesus come on thank him will you one more time just give him praise thank you Lord thank you Lord so God pursues us in our brokenness and he gives us the opportunity to experience something that had we never been in brokenness, we would never experience. Stop thinking about it that way. Your brokenness right now that you set in, that you struggle with, maybe it's a sin that so easily besets you. Maybe it's a relationship that's grating on you. Maybe it's the bitterness that you've carried with you for so long. Whatever it is, whatever it is, it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity. I said it's an opportunity for us to experience the love of God and the grace of God and the mercy of God in a way that we've never tasted before. Even if you've gone around the bush, around the mountain one more time, none of you have ever done that. I have. I've been around the mountain several times with my brokenness. But when I touch him and he touches me, he comes to me in my brokenness. He pursues me in my brokenness. Why? Because he wants me to realize that there's an opportunity for me to respond rather than with fear. I can respond with faith and reach out to him and his mercy gets injected into my heart. His love gets injected into my story. His passion gets injected into my life. And at the end of the day, he takes my mess and he makes it a message. Amen? He takes my test, he makes it a testimony. You see, there's somebody waiting on the other side of my brokenness. But I'll never get to them unless I allow the opportunity for God's grace to come to me. The longer I hide, the longer I cover myself, 
the longer I'm away from somebody that's waiting for my message and my testimony. You see, if I'll step into it, and I'll step over it, that brokenness no longer becomes brokenness. It's like a bone that gets reset, and it's stronger than it ever was, and I reach out to somebody who's in need or somebody who's in desperation. I say, hey, wait a minute. I can identify. I've been there. And let me tell you what you could do to change your circumstance, to change your situation. Allow your mess to come, become an opportunity for God's grace and God's love to touch you. Amen? I mean, you think about, you think about Isaiah chapter 61. I love that passage. You ought to just bathe yourself in Isaiah 61. It's a testimony of Jesus, the prophecy. And it says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Here's Jesus, prophecy of Jesus. This is why he's coming. Are you with me? This is God's attitude. This is God's perspective. This is God's heart. This is God's passion. He says, He has sent me to preach good news to the poor. How many of you need some good news? Here's the good news. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Any brokenhearted? He, caught me, he, taught, uh, uh, he sent me to proclaim freedom for the captives, release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow upon them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will... Be called the oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. That's why he came. Does any of that sound like bad stuff? Does that, any of that in there sound like an angry God? Does any of that sound like judgment? Does any of that sound like condemnation? No, it doesn't. Because Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says this, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Verse 2, you may not know, but it's good. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. See? Amen. So Jesus didn't come to condemn. He came to give us freedom. He came to give us liberty. And here's the deal. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Sin and death held me back, tried to destroy me, tried to put me down, put me under, throw me in the grave, throw the dirt over my grave, and walk off and forget me. But not my God. Not our God. Amen. We have a heavenly father who loves us so much that he paid the ultimate price for our freedom to give us victory in Christ Jesus. Amen. When I was 50 years old, some of you can't even believe I'm 50 right now. 
Come on, Mobile, give me a little help here. All you Baymonet people, come on. So listen to me. I'm 50 years old. I'm on a fast day at this men's event. And so I'm, I'm, I got 600 acres to go out and find a place. So I got my backpack, and I'm walking out, and I'm kind of looking around. And I see this little clump of trees, and so I, I decide I'm, I'm going to go sit down. So I sit down and put my bag down, and I'm praying. And all of a sudden, God says, look around. And so I just looked around. Yeah, sunny day. Bugs over there. Birds flying by. Now he says, look closer. How many of you sometimes we can't see the forest for the trees? And so he had me look at this one particular tree. And that tree had vines wrapped all in its branches. It looked like, it looked like a spider web, but it was vines wrapped all up in the branches. The vines came all the way down the trunk of the tree. He said, that was your life. That was your life. But I'm changing your life today. Now, I'm 50 years old. I've walked with God since I was 17. Amen? But he was saying today, 50 years old, having been in ministry almost 30-something years, that was, this is your life. You've let some vines come in, get all entangled in the branches. Your leaves can't bear fruit because they're all bound up by these vines and all around the trunk. Eventually, it's going to squish that tree, you know, from all its life source, and, and it'll die. He said, I want you to turn around and look at the tree I asked you to lean upon. I turned around and I looked at that tree. That tree didn't have one vine on it. Not one vine. And he said, I want you to look at Isaiah chapter 58, verse 6. And Isaiah 58, verse 6 says this. This is the fast that I've chosen for you, says the Lord. I think I'm out there just to starve for the day, right? This is the fast that I've chosen to free the prisoners, to undo heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and to remove chains that bind. Can I tell you that that day, sitting under that tree, my God pursued me. Weren't big sins. Weren't really critical issues. Just the little foxes that come and try to spoil the vine. That day as I sat under that tree, the freedom of God came into my life. The love of God became real to me again. The grace of God was so revelatory in, to me in that moment. I'm not going to finish the rest of this message, but I'm going to go to this point. 
I was in Bible school back in 1976. It was actually the summer between uh, 75 and 76 terms. So we'd had the spring term and summer about to go into the fall term. I told you my mom had married five times. This was her fifth marriage. They were with me at Bible school. I loved this man so much that I had assumed his last name because of my relationship with my dad. But he had gone and he, he was working up in another part of the city and ended up getting into an affair with a woman there and ended up coming and divorcing my mom. I sat there as they were signing papers with my mom just crying out, please, please don't do this. Please don't do this. I'm crying out in my heart because this is the first father image that had really ever been a part of my life. With a stroke of the pen, brokenness came. And he was gone. That summer, I went crazy. I did everything under the sun that you could do because I was mad at God. How could he let this happen to me at Bible school? Well, I was also in love with the love of my life, the beautiful Rose of Texas. And she just happened to be going to summer school at Christ for the Nation. So I went to one of the services. They had a guest speaker, so I decided I'm going to go hear this guest speaker, but really I'm going to go see the beautiful Rose of Texas. Thank you, women. Thank you. Thank you for drawing us in. But an invitation came, and as the invitation was given, I came up on a stage much like this. And this guy was from Ireland. I don't remember his name, I just remember he was from Ireland. And he just lined people up across the stage. And he was ministering to them, he was laying hands on them. And people were falling out under the power of God. And so he comes to me, I'm right there, and he steps toward me, and then he just hesitates. And he looks at me. He says, young man, God wants you to know that he loves you. When he said those words, the power of God hit my brokenness. He never touched me, never laid hands on me. But the power of the love of God that hit me through those words put me on my face. For about 30 minutes, Jesus just washed me, cleansed me, healed me, and gave me a new life. I believe Father sent me here tonight to represent to you. I want you to know I love you. I love you, Mobile. I love you, Bay Monette. I love you, City Hope Church. I love you, Sally. I love you, John. I love you, Pete, Joe, Jane. I love you. I want to ask you to take a moment right now, every head bowed, every eye closed. My words mean nothing unless Holy Spirit speaks to you. 
I wonder if you would ask the question tonight, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Maybe the condition of your life on the outside looks pretty good, but you know on the inside some work needs to be done. Maybe over the holidays something happened. A circumstance, a situation came your way that blindsided you. Maybe you're here today and you've had a relationship with God in the past, but you got discouraged, you got hurt in the house of God. Holy Spirit speaking to you tonight. I love you. I love you. I want to take your mess. I want to make it a message. Somebody's waiting on you to get through this moment of this service and say yes to God and no to the enemy. Say yes to God and no to your brokenness. Say yes to his grace and open up your heart and receive. I want to take just a moment, not a long moment, just a moment at every campus. If the Holy Spirit's speaking to you and he's uncovered something broken in your life, you're not a bad person if you have something broken in your life because we've all had something broken in our life. We're either broken now or sometimes we're headed to brokenness. So you're not a bad person if you respond to this invitation today. But you're a potential. You're an opportunity for the love of God. And if he's speaking to you this moment about your life, about your brokenness, I want to ask you to be brave enough just to stand where you're at. There at every campus. Come on, Mobile. Don't miss an opportunity with God. Baymonette, don't miss an opportunity right now. God's speaking to you. He's saying, I love you. I don't want you to walk out of this room damaged. I don't want you to walk out of this room broken. I want to come to you. I want to pursue you. I want to make known my heart and my love toward you. Anybody else, quickly. Anybody else, quickly. I'm going to hesitate one more moment because there's a story in the making with someone here. I almost think it's like an adultery situation. Maybe it's at one of the campuses. God wants to take that mess. He wants to make it a message. He wants to turn it around for you right now. All right, you're there with your head bowed, and there are people around you that are standing. I want us to join together in prayer and pray over them. If you're Holy Spirit-filled and, and you look up and you see a neighbor or a friend that you want to move toward and, and put your hands on them, we invite you to do that right now. If there's someone standing around you and you want to step up and just encourage them, strengthen them, pray with them, I want to give you the freedom to move and do that. Even there at the campuses, move, help your friends. We're a family. Let's, let's work together. Let's pray together. Let's see victory together. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I know that you know when we rise up, when we sit down, you know the thoughts and intents of our heart. Nothing hidden from you. You're not surprised by these who are standing. You're not taken back. You're not set back. But God, you are passionate 
in your love toward them. And I pray right now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you begin to move and change their heart, their circumstances. Comfort those who need comfort. Encourage those who need encouragement. Break the power of sin in those who are in bondage to sin. Heal brokenness. Set captives free right now in the name of Jesus. Bring your liberty. Bring your life. In Jesus' name, right now, Father, we thank you that we have the victory in Christ Jesus, our Lord, and we proclaim it over these lives in the name of the Most High God, in the name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. Now, come on, let's celebrate some victory in this house. Come on, celebrate some victory in this house.